0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Miranda Noel Wilson. Miranda is a wonderful actress, singer, dancer, and producer. We are classmates from the University of Evansville, and she is still one of my dear, dear friends here in the city. I'm so thankful she's still in my life. I've always been blown away by the number of projects she's involved in and the grace with which she handles all of them. Just a little warning, my audio in this recording is a little bit quiet for some reason. I must have hit the level a little bit. But you can still hear the questions, and Miranda's audio is nice and strong, which is the most important part. I hope you enjoy the 79th episode of The Compass. do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist
1: so I've been thinking a lot about this since we emailed about coming to do this Mm -hmm. and I think that I just try and keep myself so busy that the dark side can never exist there's no room for the dark side there's no room for the dark (laughs) side Um, And I was actually thinking about it the other uh, on the train actually today. And I was like, you know, I actually really think that I've somehow staved off the dark side for the last few years. And that's really exciting. And then I got really scared because I was like, what if there's just a new dark side? What if I don't
0: know what the dark <laughs> side I don't know is?
1: what the new dark side is. <laughs> what if I'm actually in it and I don't know? You know, so it's like I had one dark side when I was in my younger age, because I'm not gonna date myself. <laughs> um and you know, when I first moved change. to this city. And then, you know, how has that changed? I know it has changed and now I feel like, oh well maybe I've kind of pushed that dark side away. What's the next dark side that's going to come? But I feel like I'm now more prepared to handle how that new dark side shows itself. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, you You're know, more prepared for ups. I'm just more prepared for ups and, downs in, for ups and downs in general, yeah. and I think that one of the things is that when I really got really sad about being an artist in New York um, and what what it meant and kind of feeling really lost was after we moved here in 2005 and I sort of finished up my internship at Signature and the whole time that I was at Signature, I'd been there, I'd been in New York for about a year almost and hadn't done anything artistic for myself. It was all about supporting other artists, which was really wonderful. And I was so into it. And then I got out of it and I was like, Oh, I'm so lost and so sad. Yeah. And I don't even know where to begin, you know. That and was yeah, gone. that that structure was gone. And I was like, well, now, I, I have an understanding about certain things about how New York works, but I haven't done anything for myself. Yeah. Um, and I but I didn't know exactly what that feeling was. I just knew it was really sad. And I remember I was on the phone with Sharla, And for whatever reason, and she and I told her and she was like, oh, she was like, you're artistically starved. You need to quench that thirst. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, that's. Oh, and that's when I kind of placed like, oh, yeah, I haven't done anything for myself artistically. I haven't performed except for like my house manager speeches at Signature, (laughs) Um, you know, so it was kind of like, oh yeah. And so I think that always stayed with me of just I think my dark place was being just completely artistically famished. And so to always make sure I tried to quench my thirst in some way. Yeah. You know. And then, you know, because I'm a perfectionist <laughs> That's what Virgos do. Um, yeah, then I go like too far. Yeah. And then I'm like Artistically obese, <laughs> <You> over over schedule <laughs> myself. myself. Yeah, you know. So there's always about the balance, and I think that you know that's that's kind of where I am right now is finding that balance. Um, but I think that that has what has always stayed with me about kind of. I saw what the dark side was. I didn't like it. I felt lost. I felt confused, and as long as I found a way no matter what it was, even if it was, you know, going to one night of one-on-one, you know, and towards the beginning of it yeah. and just like being like, I have eight minutes this week where I get to perform this side and how exciting and I'll meet this person and I get to act, for, I'm doing something, you know, it's proactive. Yeah. It's proactive. Yeah. Um, and so that is really what always kind of helped me. Who knows what the new dark side will be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah.
0: Um. I mean, I want to talk about all sorts of things, but I am curious since, and this is in the past, but since you moved here with an internship and just kind of made it happen for yourself and I went the grad school route, mm-hmm. I want to know like what that was like for you and what you learned having that transition coming out of school. Because you really just dived into the city in a way that I was too scared to, like I needed... To be here for school and like have have that structure sure. in a different way. So I'm curious what your experience was and what you think you learned from that, or advice you might have to younger people who are doing that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I think that the internship for me was kind of that at least that home base. Still, you had something right. That's away. something I knew right away. I I didn't have it. Well, I. I had an apartment. Susie Hunt and I shared a studio Ooh,
0: for the first night. Like, cozy, yeah,
1: month that we were here. <laughs> it was very cozy and very sweet, and um, so we kind of had that. But I, but that was only a very short time thing. So I really had no where idea where I was going to live in the city, what I was going to, you You're know, still learning. The still city. learning. How do I really approach these? You know, I we have a network here when we move here, but it, you know still like how do I approach it for myself but I had that internship was which was kind of my home base.
0: What was your specific internship? I was the
1: company management intern at Signature so with the company management internship I ended up well also with the time that Signature was going through I mean this was a very long time ago (laughs) um so You know, it was a very different organization at that point. This was before they they moved moved into their whole center, you know. And so the interns almost were there were almost more interns than there were staff members at the time. So the amount of work we got to do as interns was a lot. And they trusted it. We, sh- we proved ourselves as trustful interns. I mean, it was me. It was Steven Sanders. It was Lori. Yes. It was Jen McVeigh. Like, you know, Jay Turn was running the box office. We're like, still, like,
0: your closest friends, so
1: she's right. We, like, basically just moved, like, a little microcosm of Evansville to signature for this, like, time being. Yeah, and then Jen joined. And then Jen. And then we were like, Jen, you're Scottish. Come join us. Um, and so actually, it was a great time to be an intern there because it really taught me so much about the business. And I had so many opportunities to meet people who had been working in this business for so many years and who are such influences to everybody and and got to have special experiences with them for that, which I think is why when I was in it, I was so artistically fulfilled in some ways. Yeah, um, you were involved because in, I was like, involved and I was learning, you the know, scene, I then. was singing hymns with Horton foot and <laughs> waiting in cars for well, Lily Taylor, special, you know, a and special like special company
0: too, that I feel yeah. like Jim made such an effort to make it a family. So absolutely. Can, even if you were, there was a hierarchy or a power structure and you were an intern, like he still made an effort to make everyone feel, there was a Feel f- like they were a, a part, you had a place. There and, there yeah, way, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I was the company management intern. And then I got done with that. And I realized that I was artistically starved. So I had to start finding things. And I just started, I think, I don't even remember, but someone suggested one-on-one. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start. That sounds good. And so um, I started doing that and finding random auditions here and there on like backstage or playbill but I was kind of foundering a a little bit you know it's hard to to still find your footing and where you fit and figure out you know it's also that kind of time in your life when you've now, graduate of college, you've been in the real world for a year, and you're like, "Who am I really?" You know, yeah. and that was the time when I was also trying to find auditions and figure out what part, you know. And I was like, <laughs> so like all the things at once. Yeah, um, but I feel like with I started going to one on one and putting myself out there, there and connecting with and and really starting to reach out to people like Slant and other companies like that who were in our community and out there and just kind of, yeah. And, and trying to put myself out there with them and getting involved and just getting my footing that way and gaining confidence. I think I had lost some confidence along the way. And so I had to build that back up because I was also, again, being a perfectionist. I was like, I'm not going into that room and, you know, not putting my best self forward because I don't feel like my best self. So I have to build that confidence again and then go back out. Mm. And then I just think over the course of twelve years, I just kind of started building that network. And I'm horrible at networking myself. I'm horrible I at marketing would never myself. Guess that about you. I hate marketing <laughs> myself. I feel I feel like that's my like.
0: Well, the, I mean, marketing is like a hard way to put it. Yeah, It does sound gross, but I just mean you always you you're always finding ways to keep yourself busy. You're always involved I do. in a million things. You're always producing your own stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think incredible. that, and I think that the one thing that I will say is that my Midwestern, like good family, Kansas city, Missouri, like <laughs> upbringing, my work family, ethic. like the work <laughs> ethic and that like, no matter what that helped me keep through. So even if I wasn't the best at, following up with somebody after a meeting or something like that, you know, my, or keeping up with everyone after a show, my work ethic and being a good person to work with has been the thing that has kept things going or things, you know, branching out from there. And that is so huge. And no matter how horrible sometimes you end up feeling on a project because it just completely <laughs> derailed in a way that you never thought, like still trying to like be the good person be and positive. be positive the be yeah. positive and be a good person to work with. And, uh, and it I, speaks miles. Yeah, I always want
0: to think that, that is really going to take you to the next step that someone will choose the person who is good to work with yeah. and kind over the talented jerk. Right. Know? Exactly. Cause <laughs> in they're in like, in the end that will pay off.
1: Right. And it's, you know, and it's like the, I just think that that's so important. Obviously,
0: both being talented. No, of course. One person was talented, not of course talented, good Um, person to work with. (laughs) Yes, versus of course.
1: (laughs) And then I think the other thing that has helped me keep going over the course of the time, having not gone to grad school, is knowing. I mean, I grew up taking dance lessons, taking voice lessons, and and acting, and I let some of that and I, I even continued it through Evansville. I mean I performed yeah. with the Evansville Ballet like <laughs> weird I think I just thought about that the other day I was like it's it's a really weird thing that I did. I performed a solo with the Evansville Ballet um but I kind of let some of that fall to the wayside when I first moved here because I was intimidated and I think I kind of got over that realizing that versatility, could be the key to keeping me working um, and just remembering to always be versatile. And so to all the young people, I think, <laughs> I, you know, it's like keeping up all of those random skills you have, like if you, you know, and, and you learn that in about that in grad school. I mean, you learn clowning. you learn all of these skills too, that make you versatile. And there might be one that you really latch onto and love, you know, why not keep it up just to keep it being something that you can always, I mean, that's why I've ended up being, I'm now a modern dancer. You know, (laughs) I, I perform in cabarets. It's, it's, you know, I haven't done as many like straight plays, adult plays, (laughs) (laughs) um, in the last like four years, you know, I've done a few, but I've been working constantly and that's because of the kind of the keeping that up. And yeah. it's hard, but I think that that's really been the key for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Is just and should I be going on more auditions? Sure. Should I be following up with people more? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but
0: But you're not sitting in your room alone, you're out doing things your yeah. and you're Yeah. You're working with all these different companies,
1: it's and it's amazing. and it's totally possible that it's an avoidance technique. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, but yeah, but I think that's really been the key for me is just and just remembering. I think I've always tried to tell myself that it's all about the baby steps. Yeah, and I think that sometimes the dark side can come when I get too far ahead of myself. And wonder, like, why isn't it happening, you know? And not thinking about all of the baby steps that I've taken to get to where I am now and what those are going to be, you know, amazing steps to take me towards the future. Yeah. And I think when I lose sight of the fact that it is a business Mm -hmm. and that in a lot of other fields, you know, in a lot of other businesses, you really have to climb the ladder and that sometimes you know it's just so happens that with this business that we've chosen sometimes the ladder can be really long
0: really long and really crooked
1: really it crooked straight up. yeah like
0: here and then goes over exactly there
1: it's, it's like it's, the, it, it's an <laughs> our awesome business board. is the shoots and ladders <laughs> like exactly. the shoots and ladders game board it's totally the shoots you know board. and you can get to there you know <laughs> but um, but you just have to go left and right and sometimes you have to go down yeah. And sometimes you get to go up so high and that's exciting and you can ride that. And I think that that's the other thing is that when I'm in something where I'm like, well, I'm so happy with what I'm doing right now. And I'm so, I'm like thrilled to be with this group of people and performing this and having this opportunity to share this instead of getting, you know, I'm always like, you know, you have that like show sadness afterwards yeah. when it ends but I feel like I just try and like bottle that all up so that when I'm not, when I don't have that, I can think about like, oh yeah, that made me feel really good. And that's my goal is to strive to find the next project that makes me feel that way, Yeah. you know? I mean, I think like Dracula with Three Day Hangover was so much fun, you know? And like, that's when I'm like, oh yes, that was so much fun. It was an amazing group. I loved all the things I got to, crazy things I got to do in that show. I'm gonna, f- I want to find something where I, f- you know, yeah, have that we'll, much fun we'll again. Talk
0: about not having a scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like the fact that instead of looking at it like, oh, that was amazing, that's never gonna happen again, looking at it like, oh, I, I, I've done that before and I want to do it again. Yeah. It's gonna happen. I'm looking yeah. for the next opportunity.
1: I think so. Yeah. I think it's, people are going to listen to this and be like, God, she's so optimistic. Um, (laughs) uh, But I I mean, it's not that I don't have hard days. I feel like I'm putting this out there like, I never have a hard day. That's not (laughs) true. I just think that like, for me, that like, uh, coming out of, that internship and figuring out where I was, like the stuff, like the feelings of figuring out where I fit, like I don't want to go back to that place. <laughs> so anything I can do and to remind myself, and I think like yeah. because I didn't have necessarily the grad school experience, I had to create my own kind of program in my brain of how I would function. Um, and... And also not necessarily having that, you know, we have the Evansville community, not necessarily having that additional community to go to and then have that as support coming out of it. You know, I had to kind of figure out, well, what's my support? And, um, and you can find it. It's out there.
0: I think it's interesting that now you work with primary stages. Yes. (laughs) And I, I think that's, fascinating that like you're surrounding yourself with this curiosity and this education mm-hmm. and I want to talk about your trend like I want to talk about day jobs in general yes and the big transition you took from like a financial
1: yes oh dear god
0: district day yes. job yeah <laughs> to fo to focusing more on your life as an artist mm-hmm. and and now this day job you found that's like in a theater school yeah like how has that influenced your life
1: I mean it's incredible it's it is so... So I, I was a student with primary stages ESPA. And actually, that is when I I had done some things. I had been on the soaps by this point. By the time I found classes at ESPA, which at the, at the time was called the Primary Stages School of Theater, or Psst. That's um, <laughs> call it. Psst. Shh. Um, shh, I'm taking classes. <laughs> Learning how to be an actor. Um... I felt like I was like on my way to figuring things out. And I um, when I found that place, I feel like that is what really solidified for me a uh, community, an additional community here in New York, and also took me from being, uh, like helped me become a stronger actor. It pushed me in ways through the community and the kinds of classes and the way that I felt so comfortable in the community, that I felt comfortable pushing myself, that it made me a much stronger artist. And that was really, I think, some of the turning point. And a lot of the the gigs and things that I've had since finding that place um, have come out of the collaborations that I wore, was a part of there. Mm-hmm. Um And so I was a student there for a long time. And then I took a break from classes because I was just at a point where I just needed to be out there and not taking classes. And then when I made the leap to quit my financial district day job, which we can talk (laughs) about later, um, I I knew I was like, oh, this is a big change. Yeah, big shift. So I'm going to need something to ground me. And I was like, maybe it's a good time to just kind of go back, throw myself back into that community, take a class. And so I did. And then like six months later, the assistant who worked at the school got engaged and moved to London. And the, the people who ran the school, um, I went out to brunch with them. And she was like, hey, do you want to be our assistant? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> um, sure. And then, like, on Monday, I had an email from the executive director, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, right, yeah. I said I would be their assistant. Um, during brunch. <laughs> during brunch. Boy, those Bloody Marys. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I was really hesitant. I was like, wait, I made this leap to not have a day job anymore. What right, am I doing? To have my time. Yeah, like, to have my time. What am I doing?
0: Are you there but full-time?
1: I'm not. I'm there part-time. And so, but it, it was really... They were also in the a time of kind of transitioning some of the programming and trying to strengthen the acting department, and it was a good time. For, I I got to be a part of that, and that was really great. And so now I'm there part time, and I, but it doesn't feel like a day job, really. Like it just feels like another extension of how I'm being an artist and how I'm helping artists. And it's really nice. I mean, there's so many students that come into the school who are just moved here out of undergrad. Mm. And I see them, and now I'm I'm responsible. I audition every person that comes into that school, so wow. I get to know all of the actors who are in the school. And I sit there in these auditions with them, just talking to them about you know where they feel like they are in their process and what they're looking for in a class and... Why they went after a class, and I just see so much. It makes me sound so old, but I see (laughs) so much of my myself in some of these people, and so it feels really nice to be like, we can be your home. We can be the thing that helps you from feeling like you don't know where you are as an artist, you know. And I think that's
0: that's really nice to be a part of.
1: That's really nice to be a part of, and it's a it's a wonderful organization in it, and a lot of it feels kind of like when I was an intern at Signature, you know, that same like family feel, you know. Yeah. Do um, you
0: still take classes too?
1: I do occasionally or I jump in as, you know, we have a lot of classes now that, you know, we have directing classes that need actors. And so I'll jump in sometimes with the directors or yeah. playwriting classes that have table reads and I'll jump in as that. Um, last, this past week, we have a class that we're offering right now, focused on just building up skills and techniques and being comfortable with sides and cold readings and that kind of thing in the audition settings. And for each class, we throw something different at them, and they don't quite know what it is. And so this past week, it was all about how to handle a bad reader. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to play the role of bad reader. Oh God. And it was... What did you do? Oh, <laughs> what didn't I do is the question. I... Oh, um, I, oh, I sabotaged all of their auditions. <laughs> um, and it was right. Oh. Stephanie Clapper was the guest and she and I were just having a grand old time. Cause she was like, was she okay, next. Yeah. She was like, okay, like, no, next.
0: I, I had this happen to
1: me. Once. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, and then she kind of started playing along too. We had oh. so much fun. We're like, "We're so sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I, uh, took my shoes off during one of them and just started stretching like stood up and was like stretching oh God. and um, I lost my place a couple times um, I Men- stole monotone. the scene yeah I was like yeah. totally monotone gave them nothing I <laughs> got up and acted with somebody and then threw a chair at them did I... you kiss someone during a scene? <laughs> I got really close <laughs> um <clears throat> we like kept switching sides or like I couldn't decide if I wanted to stand or sit okay. I mean there was just all of these I like opened a large bottle of seltzer during one of them <laughs> I had a coughing I took a call I took oh, my a cell phone myself ph- We like set my cell phone to go off <laughs> and then they all came in after their auditions and they were like so how did you feel like that went and no one responded <laughs>
0: Were they all, well, how did they react since they probably know you as a person? Well, they were like, I think... They knew you had been instructed to do this. Well, they didn't. Were they like
1: a bitch? Basically. <laughs> the funny thing... This is actually like... It was something that came out of this. I was like, that is such a good thing to remember. One person finally... Well, then Stephanie finally said, so what do you think was the lesson this week? Again, no one answered. And finally the gentleman who I got up and acted with him and threw a chair at him, he was like, how to handle a bad reader? And Stephanie was like, yes, exactly. Miranda was a plant today. And the whole class went, oh. (laughs) And Stephanie was like, you all thought it was your fault, didn't you? And they all had excuses of why what happened in the room was their fault. And Stephanie was like, this is an incredible, incredible lesson to remember of that, you know, that it's not always, it's not as artists, we're so quick to blame ourselves because so many things feel out of our control so much. And so we're just so quick to be like, well, I wasn't prepared or I did horror, you know, when in actuality, they were great. (laughs) The feeling of the room was the fact that they had a bad reader, you know? And so that was one thing to keep in mind. It was like, if there's one thing you can control as an artist, and it's what you do to prepare for an audition, it's what you do in the audition room, it's how you put yourself out there, it's how you make those big choices, you know, and, like, how you are thrilled to to get to play this character, even just for seven minutes, you know? Um. And that's it. That is one thing you can control. Nothing else in that room you can control, but that is one thing you can control. So if you feel good about that, then you can maybe acknowledge the fact that your reader was taking off her shoes or that kind of thing, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, we're so quick to blame ourselves. Um, So, yeah, so that's an example of how I'm still involved in classes.
0: So uh, when did you finally make that decision that you were, because I know you had, you had like a great, in many ways, day job, I don't remember exactly yeah. what it was, but in the financial district. Yes. And what was the um, catalyst that made you make that decision?
1: I, uh, turning 30, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> big part of it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, so I, so I worked for a hedge fund um, for 10 years and... Oh, yeah, I started working there in November of 2005. So at one point when I was after, I, so I moved here in August of '05. Then in um, August, I started my internship and I got a job as a hostess at a restaurant in Union Square. And I h- hated it. Yeah, It was so bad. And it wasn't a well-run restaurant, which I think was part of the problem. I think oh, if okay. I'd been at a better run place... It would have been fine because I I grew up playing waitress. I always wanted to be a waitress because I knew that that's what actors did. So like I had you know I had a little waitress outfit. I would go around at dinner, and like take everyone's orders, even though I knew whatever we were all ordering because it's whatever my mom prepared. Um, but um, it was bad, and and my boss at Signature knew how unhappy I was at this restaurant job. And I was also house managing and working the box office at Signature. And her husband worked for a financial firm. And so she had gotten wind that this hedge fund needed a person to come in and do filing for them. And so she set me up. She, with her husband, set me up for an interview. So I went in for this hedge fund. And I so I started working there. And then by December, I then quit the restaurant job and I was just at the hedge fund. But I was just filing with them. Like three days a week. I would go in for like four hours, yeah, three days a week. Your intern. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, we got paid as interns, we didn't get paid that much. Um, except at that time, an unlimited Metro card was $68. So it was a little different. <laughs> it's a little different at that point. But I started working there just filing. And then one day, the the general counsel came back the The lawyer at the law firm or the hedge fund came back and he's like, "Oh, the Terry, the president, would like to see you in his office." And I was like, "What did I do?" And I sat down and they said, um, "Thank you so much for your for your work as a, a with the filing." And we'd like to offer you a full time job. And I was like, "Oh."
0: This was after your internship was over? Yeah.
1: This yeah. was like, or like as it was like phasing out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's very nice of you. A full-time job. Wow. That sounds great. I don't think I'm allowed to accept that. I'm an Because actor. I'm an actor. <laughs> and I am very appreciative of your offer. Mm-hmm. I guess my alphabetical skills are amazing with my filing. I, I didn't even know you knew my name. Thank you for appreciating but them. Thank you for that. Um, I don't think that I, I'm very gracious, but I don't think that I can accept it. And, and they were like, "Oh, well, what? Like, what, what, what would you need?" And I was, I told her, I was like, "You know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure. Um, the hours can be." I would need to leave to go to auditions I might need to leave to do a show I, I don't I'm honestly very new to this so I'm not yeah. fully sure what that what it means but I know that I need flexibility and so they' were like I think we can work with that I was like oh um really <laughs> really <laughs> okay I guess I accept <laughs> um so yeah so I started working I quit the restaurant I worked for them part time as I was phasing out my internship. And then I started working for them full time in June of 06. And then, um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and I just started, I was like the odd jobs girl. Yeah. You know, I like, it's like office. Yeah, when I first That's started sense. working there, it was. You know, I did a lot of work with the legal counsel. And then I started doing a lot of work with the CFO. And then I did a lot of executive assistant work as well. And then by the time I left there, I was essentially running their investor relations, their marketing. And then I was like junior compliance officer. Oh like I was God. in charge of most of the SEC filings we did. Uh, because I went to work every day being like, I'm playing the role of corporate girl. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I can uh, figure this
1: out. I can figure this out. I never took even a typing class except for <laughs> since like elementary school. Um, but I can figure this out. And so I worked there and they were continuously flexible.
0: That's amazing. And it
1: was really great. And then it was also really hard. It was – and it was a very – in very the very intense. beginning it was fine because I would be like a Columbia MFA project here and there like – you know different things and it wasn't as jolting but then as I started especially like once I started working on the soaps and that kind of thing and I'd be on set for like two days
0: right and and then I'd come back to, yeah
1: Yeah. and then I would like come back to the office I'd be like whoa these are two completely different worlds that I'm working in and so in 2009 I tried to quit and they wouldn't let me (laughs) Okay. which I didn't know existed. I didn't know you could be like, I quit. And then they say no. And you say, okay, because that's basically what happened. <laughs> Cause I'd made, I had a quarter life crisis on the Midtown, um, the M 34 bus. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm not a hedge fund girl. I'm an actor. What am I doing? I have to focus on this whole time. I need to be suffering. I need to be like, you know, <laughs> and so I went in and I and I got up all the strength and I went in to quit and it was, you know, it was so nerve wracked to do it. Right. And I, and my boss just looked at me with these big eyes and he was like, no, no, you can't. And I was like, oh, um, okay. Can I make my own schedule? And he goes, yeah. I said, sure. And I was like, okay. And then I walked out. I was like, what just happened? And I think that like
0: yeah, what did that mean? Like I, so, so well, I was just like
1: that? I don't know. I was like I don't know what to do. I thought I was quitting. I should have like, but I also realized like, c- clearly I wasn't like fully convict. Like my mm-hmm. full conviction right. was not in. Or you would have put your foot down. Right? You know, yeah, and so I wasn't f- strong enough yet. So I was like, oh, okay. So I basically like scaled down my hours, and then I made my own schedule for five years. Oh my <laughs> with them and it just kept kind of getting less and less and then finally I was like, "Yep. This is the time. I know this is the right time. I know that I'm you know, I basically like had a hedge fund career going up a ladder one way and an acting career going up a ladder and you know, talking about ladders going different yeah. ways and I had to choose which ladder I wanted. And I could have fully given up acting and become, you know, like an investor relations person like Oh salesperson in, in the hedge fund world. But that's not what, that's not where my heart is.
0: I mean, but they compensated you well when you were working there, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind guess, of amazing. It's just yeah. not something that you usually think of as an option as a day job. Never. Like happened but it's out there. Place where they were like, sure, we'll be flexible. Yeah. And, and right.
1: I, and I've heard of other people.
0: That's incredible.
1: M- more writers finding that, but, yeah. um, yeah. writers have that luxury a little bit more. But I, I'm not sure how that happened and I wish I did because I would like write it all down and then give it to every actor I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I had 10 years of a nice compensation and health insurance and I was really smart about how I used it and I put most of it in savings. And so when I made the decision to finally leave, I just knew it was right. And like, I think I need to give
0: myself some time and space. Yeah, to have the savings to cushion me for a while.
1: And I knew that I I felt like I owed it to my twenty two year old self to pursue this.
0: Yeah,
1: to take that leap and do it. Um, and so that it was the time, and I knew it was the time because when I told them, they were like, um. Okay. <laughs> it was also hard because another person gave their notice like four hours before me. And I was like, no. You stole my thunder. You stole my thunder. <laughs> but I was the nice one. He gave him like a week and I gave them two months. So I gave them You're two months' good notice. Good so I was like, it. well, at least I'm the nice one who's quitting. Jeez. And they honestly, they still ask me to come back and do projects sometimes. And I'll be like, okay, if I can fit it in. Doesn't hurt to have that extra money, you know. Um, but it was it was the weirdest, sometimes hardest day job to navigate through. It's
0: a whole ever. Different. It's so interesting because I know we're so deeply steeped in our own little world, where it's like you know I have friends who do other things, but mostly I have a lot of friends who are involved in theater and. We all know this universe really, really well. And then when you go into another pocket of New York, we're like, oh, this is the hedge hedge fund pocket. Yeah. And they are all as equally obsessed and steeped in this world, and this culture. Absolutely. And you, you got to have a peek in both.
1: It was really, I feel like it was just like, Ten years of character research. Yes,
0: for any mammoth play. (laughs) For any mammoth play,
1: (laughs) I ever want to do. Well, and I would come home with stories, and Evan would just be like, "What? Oh my god! You know, he really wants to write a web series, or have me write a web series. Need to write a play about about my experience in the hedge fund world. But he wants all of the characters to be played by either babies or puppies." Uh. And he has this big vision of like babies with ties on, just like crawling all around the conference room table, like oh having a God. meeting. Um,
0: there's actually um, there's an SNL sketch that I hate. That's kind of about that, actually. Oh I don't really? Know why I hate it so much? But it's like about this office guy who's like I don't know what they call it, but it's like a man in a baby's body. <laughs> He's just like flopping around around. sitting there, but like talking like an adult man. And I don't know why I hate it so much. But if it were actual babies, I feel differently.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think that, I mean, here's the thing, the corporate world, especially the finance world as an artist can suck your soul. It can suck out your soul. And honestly, you if you want to talk about the dark place, like that, even though I was, you know, artistic wise, being artistically fulfilled. So that dark place didn't show up. There were a lot of just like, I mean, after I, it's a lot of time. I mean, it was to the point where, yeah, I had, you know, quote unquote flexible schedule, but some of that meant that I would be on a commercial set and every single break I was on my Blackberry. I would get off set at 7 PM. You know, we might be in Filming in Jersey or something. Get off set at seven p.m. Get back to the city at eight. I go into the office and I'm there until one a.m. You know, um, and so as you got
0: more responsibility, you had to like I had to keep it going, right?
1: And so, and that's a problem of mine. I take on a lot more than I can choose sometimes, Um, but I mean, that's kind of also why I was like, this is not making my own schedule anymore. This is not sustainable because, and I think that too is like, there are more times than not that I'm working there at 8 PM till midnight because I had a show or I was on set or whatever. And I think that to me too is like, okay, it's time. Whereas before it was kind of like, I need to be putting, I need to be available at all times to say yes to anything it was kind of like yeah, I'm oh, going to audition
0: here and there, but mostly yeah. I'm just working this job. Right.
1: Yeah. And so now I was like, oh, so I that's kind of what led me to make that decision too. Yeah. Um and you know, I'm thankful for that experience. Yeah. But I'm also thankful that that's that it's over. That's not my world anymore. <laughs> Especially given that I didn't it was always hard during election time to be there because I was really Usually, the one person who had any sort of, well, I was the only one with a different viewpoint. So Mm -hmm. it was always really hard. So I was really glad that I was not there for this this one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, But it was interesting. And I do think that when you find yourself as an artist in an office job, that now, if you're an artistic kind of office, it's one thing. But if you find yourself in a law firm or a hedge fund, you might be the only sort of liberal arts, educated voice in the office. Mm -hmm. And that can actually get you very far. Like, I think my ability to, I think because I was an actor and as an actor, you put yourself in other people's shoes and have to put people in other people's mindsets that it actually worked to my benefit a lot which is probably why I ended up being there for so long yeah. why they didn't want me to go was because they thought they those skills they thought that I understood all of them and I'm like no really I'm just like doing a character study in all of you so I <laughs> I don't really understand you but I know how to talk to you yeah. um so if you you artists out there if you find yourself in a finance yeah. job use it to your advantage Cause they're not sure, you know, like I was the one person who could kind of stand up to the boss and be like, are you sure that you want to do that? Because typically you think about things this way. So that's great if you're changing your mind, but I'm also not sure Hmm. if that's really what I feel like maybe what you're asking for is this. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) You get me. And I'm like, yeah. I sure, know. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I disagree with you. <laughs> I disagree with you. I don't get you at all, but I can pretend like I do. <laughs> but I see the
0: pattern here. Um, you mentioned your lovely husband, Evan. Yes. And I know that you guys have been working for a long time on a film that's com- coming out. That yes. That deals it's. With Alzheimer's?
1: Yes. Um, it. I think the trailer is. Coming out in a few weeks. Um,
0: Can you talk a little bit about that project and like yeah. how it is for you guys to work together as artists and as life partners? As life
1: partners. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we we um, oh gosh, it's like six years ago now. So his father runs an organization called Hearthstone Alzheimer's Care, and they run facilities for individuals with Alzheimer's and dementia. And then they also, through different organizations, acquire grants and explore sort of non-pharmacological, not treatments, but of... Like like therapies. Kind of therapies and, you know, uh, for individuals with dementia and Alzheimer's. So his dad had this idea to explore uh, the effect of theater on individuals with dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And so he called us to see if we would come up for one day to just consult on how to talk to actors and put out audition notices and this kind of thing. And when we got there, we started working with them on ideas for the plays and all these other things. And And talk, we ended up doing an audition ourselves. And by the end of this One day that we went up there, all of a sudden we were writing the plays that we were going to be doing in this project. Uh, We were, put the performers, we were consultants, we were like, oh, okay. Um, But it ended up being this incredible journey where we created this project called Scripted Improv, and it was funded by the National Institute of Health and the National Institutes of Aging and explored sort of the non-pharmacological treatment, not treatment, um, but I know I'm saying the wrong word you're listening out there scripted improv people um but the non-pharmacological effect of theater on Alzheimer's and uh concluded that it actually was effective in increasing quality of life increasing engagement decreasing depression um decreasing the agitation um and aggression in individuals with dementia and Alzheimer's um and we also, through doing this project, I mean, basically, so we wrote we wrote these plays where two actors, which were Evan and I for the study, um, would go into a facility, into a room, and it would usually have between 15 to 25 individuals with dementia and Alzheimer's, and we would put on a play with them. And so we were scripted. We kind of knew where the plot lines need to go, and then everything else that happens in the play would all be um, based on the contributions from the individuals because they played all the other parts in the show. So we played two parts and then we would cast on the spot, all of the other parts. Um, So like we had a play about, um, we had a a murder mystery play that was set in the South and um, Evan played the deputy who was trying to solve this murder. And, you know, I played sort of the narrator character and, you know, an individual that was going along this journey with us played the person who was murdered, and they got to do this incredible death scene. You know, and they would kind of improv it, and um, they would play the other people in the town. Uh, we had one about a pirate ship, and we would cast the captain of the pirate ship and the the sea monster and all these other parts. Um, and so they would, but they didn't have a script, so we would kind of go along with whatever they gave us. Uh, hence the scripted improv part of it, but. Through doing these plays, we learned all of these really wonderful techniques to basically just make sure the plays kept going, um, <laughs> and uh, to but and to all and to engage these individuals. And we realized that these these skills don't just need to be applied to putting in these plays. They can just be really great skills to have as caregivers um, to to interact with individuals with dementia and Alzheimer's and and to increase quality of life um, with your loved ones that have it. So we're kind of doing additional uh, training videos like that to be a part of Scripted Improv so that if you're not interested in putting on a play with them but you're interested in learning the techniques that went into putting on the play, but that right. you can use in everyday life. You can now get that. And then out of that, Evan was inspired to write a film, a short film about a couple dealing with Alzheimer's and the film, all of these techniques that we used are written into the film. So it's a beautiful narrative. It's a beautiful but it's narrative, a but it's also a teaching tool. Right. Uh, so it could be shown at film festivals and it could also be shown in, you know, facilities to, to nurses, to That's things awesome. like that. It could, caregivers could see, could watch it. Did you it. guys produce um, it yourself or did you produce so, it like with the
0: help of his father's facilities? So
1: we then? produced it. So Evan produced it himself. So he did fundraising, yeah. um, and got support for it. And, um, it's really, it was, it was heartbreaking to film yeah, because we played the couple, um, And it's just, it's probably, it's, it's just one of my biggest fears now, Yeah. you know, and so hopefully, hopefully that's not the dark place that's (laughs) next for me. Um, but no, um, but I think it's one of my biggest fears now. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm equipped with tools to deal with it, but you never know. Um, but it's really—it's really
0: beautiful it's, though that you guys got involved and that you're trying to help people who are having to deal with that.
1: It's—it's you know, it's it's been a terrible, really terrible. Disease. It's a terrible thing to, t- and the caretakers tireless. who deal with it, like tireless. Yeah. And so, it's really—it's really funny because twenty, like in 2014 to 2015, for me was all about projects about Alzheimer's, because mm-hmm. we we were working on the project, I shot the film, then. The production company that I started, Clutch Productions, we commissioned a playwright who ended up writing a play, beautiful play, but about caretakers and dealing with Alzheimer's. That
0: completely unrelated. She didn't completely, know that you have been doing. Completely this unrelated. Oh my gosh.
1: Um, so I was like, wow. So I was really living in it Oof. for a while. And so that's really become my biggest fear.
0: How has Clutch been going?
1: It's really good. Um, so yeah, so our big inaugural production we you know commissioned playwright taker from the stage blank page to the stage in 12 months we knew it was aggressive timeline but I don't think we realized how aggressive it was Uh, but it was really beautiful and successful and we felt good about it and we learned so much Um, so then last that was 2015 so then last year we kind of just did a few reading series to just kind of recover a little bit. (laughs) Um, but also to just build up our, 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 you know, canon of people that women that we work with. So now we're producing with women in combat project, we're producing a new devised work called bullet catchers. And it's all about uh, women in the army and their experience. Um, and so we're producing that with them and that's going up at the Oh gosh, what's it called? The Judson play, uh, Judson, Judson, the, Judson sure. yeah, yeah. Um, that's going up in Judson in July. Okay, great. And then, um, we might have a few other projects. We did a a reading series in October of last year, called Empower Her series. Um, and a few projects out of that we're kind of looking to try and take to full development, including like maybe a short film and. I thought um, you guys
0: dove in and then now that you're taking your time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think it was like good to take <laughs> that leap. It's okay to take your time. And it's
1: okay. And like not feel bad about it. Yeah. So we like, we took that leap and then we were like, okay, that was fun and a lot. So now what do we do next? No, yeah, but
0: it doesn't, um, it doesn't have to be a steady progression. Definitely not. You guys are still doing things. You're still yeah. learning things. You're we're still, still building your network.
1: Absolutely. And then we're going to, and we're going to, embark on that full commission experience again. again and we it was an amazing experience and we learned so much and so this next one can only be that much stronger
0: do you enjoy the producing side of it
1: um yes Is it like a means to an end sometimes no I do you know and it's interesting you you asked that question because in the first project that we did it was it was not fully a means to an end. But in some ways, yes. Um, but like this project that we're producing now, we're not involved artistically. Right. It's, so it's just the it's producing just side. Just the it. producing side of it. And it it is enjoyable because it's again, you know, it's we're giving we're giving the women's voice a space. And that feels really good to have the opportunity to do that, especially within this, yeah. just whole world, um, so it's hard, but, yeah, I guess I do enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. because it is it's not a means to an end for me.
0: Right, it's kind of good. But where I mean, yeah, it's good when you're giving yourself an opportunity to act, and it's also good in a different way when that pressure is lifted and you're just giving someone else a platform. Exactly. Yeah,
1: that's great. And and with this project, they're very steadfast and am- amazing about, um, we're making sure that, you know, the veterans on, on the bullet catchers project that we have veterans, um, on the design team, we have veterans in the cast, oh, fantastic. um, we're going to work on getting underwriters so that veterans can get free tickets to see the show, awesome. which I think is really great too.
0: Yeah. For those days when you're really feeling, uh, in the dark place or like uninspired, mm-hmm. Are there any concrete things that you reach for again and again? Like a book or a place you go or something you do?
1: I reach for my friends. Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes (laughs) I do it as like a decompression technique. And then I also think I go to it when I'm feeling like I'm on the dark side. But I love just watching episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh. It inspires me well, <laughs> because good. I think that she's that is delightful. She's such. I mean, since I'm so corny, well, she's um, a pioneer. She's a pioneer for sure. And I think I'm like, she can do it. I can do it. Like, <laughs> I just have to meet the world with a smile and like, you know, <laughs> put myself out there. But you know, I just I enjoy the comedy of it. I enjoy. I think I I also kind of discovered at one point when I was watching it I was like oh my gosh because I used to watch it when I was little and looked up to it and then I watched it I was like oh my gosh I'm older than Mary Tyler Moore's character in this episode (laughs) what am I doing with my life like there was one time I watched it and I was like I can't watch this again because I don't know what I'm doing with my life she's got it all together um but uh yeah I mean it can be as simple as that sometimes I think like putting myself in that world
0: Gives gives you a little like extra extra optimism. <laughs> yeah, like an extra
1: optimism and a little bit of escape. Um, yeah, but I think a lot of it is just uh, also just leaning on friends. Yeah,
0: you know, I realized I didn't, and I have to ask you about your family. Yeah, I said we were at the end, but I'm detailing back. <laughs> yes, um, because one because I know they're so important to you, um, and two because I know some of them are also in the arts. But like, how how does your family take in? You choosing to be an artist.
1: They've always been very supportive. I think they were, I think they were so shocked when I decided that I wanted to do a play, because I was so painfully shy. Really? When you were as a as a kid. So painfully shy. I wouldn't talk to anybody. And then I did the sound of music when I was seven. And they invited all of my past teachers, like from preschool, like through second like, grade, What's happening? and they're like, "You have to come see this. You would never guess what she's doing on this date. I think they were kind of shocked. <laughs> um, and then I was so devastated when that was over. But they were like, "Okay, I think this is really a thing." So they've always been extremely supportive of it and helped me find the next project. And you know, my mom. You know, would be like, well, shouldn't you reach out to this? You know, she's always very good at being like, well, did you follow up with that person? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, mom, yes, I know mom. you're right. I know. uh, oh, yes, I need to market myself. I know I need to follow up with them. Um, but they've always been really supportive. And my, I mean, my dad is a radio TV personality, but he'd never really done a play until maybe like, I don't know, 15 years ago. He was the, the like, DJ and a, um production of Greece or whatever. Oh, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is I understand why That's you really terrible. like to do this." Um so they've always been really supportive of it. And then I got my brother into it. And <laughs> and um so now, you know, he does it too. Yeah, and he lives here. and and he lives here. He lives 13 blocks from me and it's amazing. Um and it's really interesting too because now, you know, he's significantly younger than I am, but you know, I see him being in places that I was before, and it's funny because I like I try and give him advice, you know, and I and then I'm like, why aren't you taking my advice? And I'm like, well, when I was your age, I didn't always no, take.
0: You, everybody has to learn. You have to himself.
1: find, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like sometimes I'll be telling him something, and I'll be like, ah, oh, like in my head, I'm like, Miranda, take this own advice. Like, yeah. you're giving this, but why you're are you not doing advice, it yourself? You gotta walk the walk. Exactly, and so it's actually been really helpful too. Of. Like, helping him navigate what it's like to be out of school and be living in New York as an actor. Help me remember how to navigate that, too.
0: Right. Um, And then, is there anything that you've seen lately that you want to recommend of any art form? (sighs)
1: Um, I... I really liked drunkovania, but it's closed. <laughs> it is closed. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> wah, 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 <laughs> wah. um, I have to be a hundred percent. Well, Daniel's husband at primary stages was amazing. Okay. Um, but unfortunately it also just that closed. Close um, I have honestly not been able to see anything You've been busy. <laughs> recently. Um, I, I've Basically, I've done five different shows in the past three weeks. Oh, my God. Um, Like five completely different shows. (laughs) Well, one show I did twice, once at the beginning, and now currently in the middle of doing it again. So it's been kind of a whirlwind, and I'm actually looking forward to after this coming or like next Thursday, I'm going to have a bit of a break, and I'm really looking forward to catching up on and seeing Wonderful. things again. It's going to be great. Miranda, thank, you for us. thank you so much for having me. This is great. So yeah. nice.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.